the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Christos Anesti. We should never forget over these next few weeks what we are celebrating. We should always make sure that this is the greeting up until as long as we'd like, actually, maybe even all year long. When we start the Feast of the Resurrection, as we did two weeks ago, we find ourselves dealing with a little bit of a problem. And actually the problem that I'm going to talk about right now is actually a problem that most of us deal with all year round and something we think about. What are the two, in my opinion, I'll ask a question, what are the two most difficult things about being a Christian? I would argue that the first one would be that we are asked to believe in something that maybe we haven't seen. We're asked to believe, or at least the impression many of us have, is that we're asked to take someone's word for what we believe in. Abuna standing inside church, your Sunday school teacher is telling you something in a lesson, an older person is telling you something at home or at church about Jesus. He came, he died, he rose from the dead. How do I know that's true? Well, you're going to have to take my word for it. You read the Bible, how do I know that this is true? Well, you're just going to have to take the Bible's word for it. So that's one thing that's difficult. But then to add to that, which makes it maybe even sometimes more frustrating for some people, is that we sometimes talk, or many times we talk, about how Christianity is about more, sorry, what's the right word, greater ideals. You know, we talk about how in the Old Testament there was talk about eye for an eye, there was talk about, you know, don't commit adultery. And then Jesus comes and he gives us a higher commandment. What was the higher commandment? That you should love your enemies. That you should forgive. That you shouldn't even look at someone in a lustful way, let alone commit adultery. So we talk about these great, loftier, more high ideals that as Christians... Now we're supposed to live according to these higher ideals. That's a problem. Because we can barely do the first level of rules. And now we have even more difficult rules that we have to follow. Don't do this. Don't do that. And we've all gone through all of that. So the, the, these two things, in my opinion, are the, one of the two, like perhaps the two most difficult things that any Christian growing in Christ has to deal with. How do I live the commandments? How do I do these things that we're asked to do? And how many times, I know this as a parent, I hear this a lot from my own kids, I know I'm supposed to, but. I know I'm supposed to forgive, but. I know I'm supposed to be thankful, but. I know I'm supposed to not do this, but. How many of us have that problem? I know I am. I know I do, right? All of us should you know, with any kind of honesty would realize that we all have that problem, right? And how many of us 
struggle with this idea that I have to take someone's word for what I believe in. That's something that all of us deal with as well. So Christ, when he comes, we read in the, the Psalms today and the Psalm yesterday, he came and he sent redemption to his people. And then yesterday we also heard he came and he saved his people from their destruction. What does that mean? Last week in Thomas Sunday, we see Thomas who was not present when Christ first appeared to the disciples. And they told Thomas when he came back, I'd love to wonder where Thomas was actually. Like maybe, maybe he went out to buy something or get some groceries or something. I don't know. Like he went out and then he comes back. You know, he probably had to go out and do something. And just imagine he comes back and they all tell him what? We have seen the Lord. And then he's like, this is the ultimate FOMO, right? right? You're like, you missed out on like the biggest thing ever. And, and his first thing was, we could imagine. And actually, St. Cyril of Alexandria said this. Well, he didn't say the way I'm going to say it, but he explained it in, in a very nice way. But in essence, he was saying Thomas's reaction was, what about me? You guys got all this lovely thing. You got to see him. You got to touch him. Bear in mind, when we read the gospel according to Luke, Thomas wasn't the only person who wanted to touch Jesus. He didn't say that because he was thinking up some difficult evidence that he needed before he would believe. You see in the gospel according to Luke that, Saint, that sorry, Christ, when he appears to the disciples, he says, touch me. I'm not a ghost. The ghost wouldn't have flesh and bone like I do. Touch me. So when Thomas hears the disciples telling him, we've seen the Lord, he says, well, I need that too. I need to touch. I need to feel. I need to see what you guys have seen so that I can believe too. He's wanting to believe. Right? And then when Thomas finally sees Jesus, Christ says to him, okay, Thomas, I'm here. Give me your hand. Touch, feel. And then Thomas doesn't say, oh, now I believe that you rose from the dead. What does he say? Anyone trying to remember? What does Thomas say when he finally sees Jesus? My Lord and my God. So how did we get from Jesus, who's this man who's been living with us for the last three years, and he told us a lot of good things, and he taught us all these great teachings, and then he sees him risen from the dead, and he says, my Lord and my God. I don't know. It's something like St. Paul said today in Ephesians, what we just read earlier, when he said, something has been revealed to me. And that sort of answers the first question. There are many levels of knowing something or believing something. The first level is in our imagination. When we were young, we were told stories about Noah's Ark and about Jesus doing these miracles. And maybe some of us, maybe some of us, 
just had these things, uh, these stories as pictures in our head. Stories. Things that we can imagine. And maybe sometimes, unfortunately, some of us might think of them as fairy tales. Once upon a time, there was this lovely man called Jesus who was God. And he came on earth. Right? So that's one level where it's just in our imagination, in our minds, in our heads of, you know, something we dream up, we think of. And then there's another level where I have a strong opinion about it. I believe because someone told me something and I trust that person. And I'm taking their word for it. And then maybe if we become more sophisticated, like most of us are, most of us have, you know, been super educated. We live in one of the most educated countries in the world. And we start to analyze and think and say, well, how did Jesus come out of the tomb? What if Jesus didn't? What if this? What if that? And we start to analyze and think and rationalize. You guys familiar with that term? What's rationalizing mean? It means you think about it in your head. You sort of calculate and see what, what, where the evidence is at. And yes, Jesus rose from the dead. But actually, the highest level is when you encounter the truth itself. When you know the person. If, I, if people come and told you, you know Father Theodore? Some of you might say, yeah, I've heard of him. I've met him once. Or, no, I've never seen him. I've never talked to him before. But then you meet that person that you're being asked about. And not just that, you get to spend a couple of days with him or her. Or not just that, any couple who were engaged and then got married realized they only got to know the other person when, when they got married. And there's a reason why we read even in the very first few chapters of Genesis Adam knew his wife, Eve, and she conceived and bore Cain. So, when we see the word know in the Bible, it's not just knowing something, knowledge in your head. It's about the intimate knowledge of a person. To be inside of them. To be inside their head. For that person to know you as well. Now, why am I saying all of this? Because... The church fathers saw when St. Thomas finally got to touch Jesus. And then Christ said to him, because you've seen me, you've believed. Well, blessed are those who have not seen but believed. Does that mean that we are called to just take someone's word for it? No, we're merely asked to believe even though We didn't see with these eyes, and yet, if we were to read the Catholic epistle, it says here, we know that we are of God, and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us an understanding that we may know him who is true. And we are in him 
who is true. In his son, Jesus Christ. How are we in him? How do we know him? We know him because, as the church fathers say, especially St. Cyril, I love St. Cyril of Alexandria. He says this. He says, just as Thomas got to touch Jesus and thus then said, my Lord and my God, we, the Christians, also get to touch Jesus because what? We receive communion. When we receive communion, and bear in mind, even in the old days, at the time when St. Cyril was writing in the 5th century and many, many several centuries before that and maybe a few centuries after, traditionally the Christians used to receive the body of Christ in their hand. They would touch Jesus. And even if we don't do that today, we have him. You receive Christ himself in you. You touch him, you taste him. And a contemporary theologian once said, you are what you eat. So if we eat Christ and we eat the resurrection, because Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Now, if we take this stuff just as if it's fantasy, it's just some lofty idea, then we get nothing out of it. But if we start by taking someone's word for it and we try to live according to that, that belief that we are in Christ, then our lives will begin to change. St. Peter's life changed when he said to Jesus, nevertheless, by your word, by your word I will cast the net. Jesus was preaching and Peter heard very nice things from Jesus. And he's inside the boat and then he says, launch into the deep and then cast your net to get some fish. And then Peter says, you know what? We've toiled all night and we got nothing. Nevertheless, by your word. So Jesus is in the boat and Peter doesn't know what to make of Jesus. He doesn't know him yet. And then he gets the big catch of fish. So all of us, we receive Christ inside ourselves. And that's a fact. That's a faith that the church emphasizes at least off the top of my head now. I can think of three, four, five times. Watch it today in the liturgy when we pray the rest of the liturgy. Abuna is going to say, he took bread. We believe that this is true. Amen. Right? How many times is everyone going to be saying something? I believe, we believe. Right? And then later, this is my body. This is true. Amen. Right? And then later on, we worship the holy body. We worship your holy body. We worship your precious blood. And then later on, Towards the very end, you know, I believe, amen, Abuna saying, the holy precious body of Jesus Christ, I believe, I believe. We're not just saying that. It's not part of it. This isn't a stage act. We're not doing a show for your pleasure and entertainment. Because if it's entertainment, it's not very good entertainment. Judging by how many people were like Eutyches, if you listen to the acts, right? Eutyches was sitting and Paul had a very long sermon, kind of like what I'm doing right now. And Eutyches is sitting by the window and then he goes to sleep because it's a boring performance. But 
Paul says he's still alive. And he continues the liturgy. And Eutyches, who was pretty much dead, he fell from the third floor. He is in the middle of the liturgy. And the body and blood of Christ raise him from the dead. So that's what we're all called to do. We're called to come, receive the resurrection. When we eat and drink the body and blood of the Lord, what do we say in the liturgy, which we said from the Gospels as well? Whenever you eat this bread and drink this from this cup, you proclaim my death. What? Yeah? And then we say what? Amen, amen, amen. Your death, O Lord, we proclaim. Or if you're from St. Mark like me, we say you, we preach. Right? And then, uh, and your holy resurrection, right? What does it mean that we proclaim the resu- resurrection? We proclaim the, we proclaim the resurrection when we eat the body and blood of Christ because that resurrection has to happen in us first. Which comes to the second difficulty. I was talking earlier right now. I hope, I'm trying to clarify something that knowing and believing come together. We are not asked to merely believe blindly with nothing to go with. That would be stupid. Sorry. That would be silly. If you have absolutely nothing and you're taking my word for it, well, who am I? I'm just this guy dressed in white right now standing in front of you and saying a few things. What does that mean? No, you're, each and every single one of us is asked and called to experience what St. John said when he said, we know the Son of God has come and given us. We, that means all of us, we know him who is true. We are in him. When we receive communion, we are in him who is true. And if we are in him, then who is the one helping us to do those very difficult things we're asked to do? We're asked to forgive. We're asked to live very holy, very pure lives. We're asked to be saints, really. You know, as St. Paul says, you know, you're asked to be shining like lights in the world in the midst of a wicked and perverse generation. It's almost as if St. Paul was talking about today. But then again, every single age throughout history is a bad time to be alive in. But, you know, we just walk outside today and we are living in a perverse generation. From the youngest to the oldest, you go to school, the things that we hear today that are being taught, the things that are being told the things we hear on the streets, the, the things you see on the... I was driving from O'Hare early this morning, and I counted at least on the highway maybe like five billboards selling cannabis, right? You know, it's just like, like that big. And then a few billboards later, please don't drive while you're high. Well, like, what do you expect to be doing when you're selling all this stuff and then you expect the people not to drive high? Seriously? Like, but this is the wicked and perverse generation we live in. Right? We are called to be in Christ. And then when you notice in the Gospels and in the letters of St. Paul and throughout the New Testament, Christ says, without me, you can't do anything. And then St. Paul says, you know, 
I have great affection for you in Christ Jesus. Or I pray for you and I hope that you achieve the perseverance or the patience of Christ. So when you feel like you have nothing left to give in a problem, you're at the end of your rope, you feel like you can't give anymore, you can't love, you can't forgive, you can't, you can't, you can't, of course you can't, because we're just human. But when we realize what St. Paul talked about in Ephesians, he says here, there's this great mystery that has been revealed. It's been hidden throughout all the ages. And just now, it's been revealed. What is this mystery? This great thing that the Gentiles are fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ. It's that all of us are now part of the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's not a metaphor. You guys know what a metaphor is. High schoolers, at least you should know what a metaphor is, right? What's a metaphor? Someone tell me what a metaphor is. It's comparing two things, and it's, but it's not real. It's describing things that are like each other, right? Or it's putting two things as like almost, again, in the realm of imagination. We are not the body of Christ because we're imagining it. We are of the body of Christ because we receive communion and therefore we are part of him. And if we are a part of him, then we can do the things that he did. Now that's very difficult, but we're only asked to trust a reality and take his word for it, not my word, right? his word for it, and then hopefully do like Peter, cast our net and then bring back a lot of fruitful things for the kingdom of God. And glory be to God forever. Amen.